Oh there gosh, we go. Okay. Here. Oh, here we are. Oh my goodness. I'm so you guys happy we no made it. Idea what kind of what journey we've been on to try to make this podcast happen? <laughs> I like had a mental breakdown thinking I was going to have to completely find a new platform to do this entire thing on. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm not this tech savvy. What's happening?" I know geez and I just like press the button so I'm like I'm useless here no I mean yeah so we use if anyone's ever interested I've had a couple people ask me this actually I have used the anchor app to always just like I just send Haley this simple invitation and then it just goes up straight from one app but anchor bot or Spotify bot anchor I don't know how all that stuff works but Spotify took over the podcast app and it got a little rough and wouldn't record. And here we are, though. We're here now. And that is what matters. That's all that matters. I feel like I haven't talked to you or seen you or I feel like, do you ever feel like time goes so fast, but also goes so slow? Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's so weird. Yeah. So I feel the same way. I, when we were like coordinating this, I was like, wait, I just miss hanging out with you and spending time with you. I know. I feel like I don't even know how it's like the end of March. It's, I don't either, honestly. It's gone so fast. So fast. And all I want is for it to warm up. I know. I think about twice a year, seriously, about planning out a move to, like, Tennessee or North Carolina. And then it gets warm, and I'm like, oh, Ohio's fine. <laughs> I actually like it here. Yeah. No. I'm the same way. It's, it's like, the time of year when you're just barely hanging on, waiting for it to warm up. Yeah, and then you'll get a tease of, like, one warm day, and you're like, oh, it's right around the corner. It's right around the corner, except from like March until halfway through May, it's like two and a half months of right around the corner. It really is. <laughs> it's the longest right around the corner ever. Oh, it gives you just enough hope to then put like knock you right back down. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, we, what are we talking about today? Hanny Banani. We are, well, we can catch up. We can talk about, um, I had a couple DMs I was looking through that were, I don't know if we've really done an episode on, I mean, honestly, if, if your coaching girls have anything that's sticking out in your mind, um, I've had people ask me about like random things lately on Instagram that are all and when they ask me about these things, I'm like, that's a major red flag. But I think sometimes people don't like what? You know, like um, just when clients reach out or when like a new client reaches out, I have a um, somebody that reached out to me and then I had somebody else that asked me kind of a similar question about getting scheduled with you as the stylist. And they're coming from like another stylist that they weren't happy with, but you know, which can go either way, as you know, yes. like sometimes it, it's just truly, you know, an innocent situation and maybe they just didn't align with the stylist they were with, or they just didn't love the experience and that's completely fine. Or they themselves are just difficult to deal with <laughs> or handle or have crazy expectations and that's no one's fault. Totally. So, um, yeah, those are definitely, but sometimes I think as a newer stylist or maybe someone who's not as experienced or someone who feels or who who's maybe in like a little bit of more of like a scarcity situation, like they feel like they have to take on whoever. Mm -hmm. And especially as a new stylist and then, you know, the last thing you want to end up with is like the most difficult client ever. Right. Because then you just wish you would almost pay them to go away at that point. 
Absolutely. Or, and I think what happens, stylists take on these clients and they're like, okay, I made a huge mistake in taking this person on, but then they're afraid to let them go because they're like, I don't know what they're going to say about me online. I don't know who they're going to trash me to. So it's this big, it's so stressful trying to make that decision then when you're like, if I would have just never taken them on in the first place, I wouldn't be dealing with this. Yeah. And I think even, I mean, Haley, you, you know this well, but I think we even get into like salon situations like that as a stylist where um, maybe we don't think out like a move very well, or we don't think out uh, positioning ourselves like in a salon that really is going to like line <laughs> up with who we are. And then, you know, we, we want to talk ourselves into thinking like, this is the right place for me to go, or this is the right move for me. And then you end up in a place where you're like, oh my gosh. And then you try, you know, and your reputation's on the line there too, with either stylists or um, clients, that's a difficult situation to be in because, you know, you don't, anytime, anytime you can't meet someone's wild expectations, that person is always going to then talk about you, you know, in whatever light they choose. Yeah. So it's, I think it's important to protect yourself and know what red flags are with clients, but also know what red flags are like other places, other big decisions in your business. I completely agree. And this, this is actually something we talk a lot about inside of coaching. Um, you know, cause what I'm finding when there isn't a system or a way that you do things to be able to onboard a new client, when you don't have a system, you miss the red flags. And this is what I've really been, I've been learning. We've had our system in place for years at this point. And so for us, it's, you know, this is how I do it. If you don't want to do it how I do it, that's fine. I'm just not going to be the stylist for you. And so, you know, for us, that starts with, for me specifically, somebody finds me on Instagram, they usually are following me for a minimum of six months, usually longer, and they are a silent lurker. Um, I usually don't have any DMs from them. I don't get any comments from them, but I eventually get their extension application that comes through. And most of the time it's, I've been following you for a long time. Uh, I'm just finally in a place where I would like to invest in my hair and, and you're the one I want to do it. Uh, I reach out over text or email. These are the days and times I'm available for a consultation call. It's usually more of a, here's my availability type of thing because I'm so dialed into my ideal client and I know what I need to be communicating to them through social. So they usually don't have a ton of questions. I usually have more questions than they do as far as the length you're wanting, the color, just confirming that sort of thing. And then we schedule a call. It's usually 10 minutes or so. I collect their credit card. I collect their deposit or retainer. Um, and then we get them coming in for their first appointment. And so when somebody for me does not follow that system or that flow, instant red flag. So if I have somebody in my DMs that says, hey, I, how much for extensions? And I say, hey, here's a link. If you can complete this, I can give you a quote. This gives you ballpark pricing. Um, but all the information you need before I can directly quote you based on what you want exactly, it can be found here. And when they're like, well, I don't want to fill this out. Can you just give me an estimate? I, I usually don't even respond because I know that that's not my client. I know my client first of all, they're really not sending me that DM in the first place. But if they do and I send them that link, they instantly go through with the link, they complete it, and then we can talk about what they need. But it's like if I didn't have my process so clean, concise, and if I wasn't so regimented with it and I didn't hold that boundary for myself, I would be missing those red flags. So for me, I know that if somebody isn't willing to become my client in the way I like them to become my client, 
they are not going to be the type of client that I want. Those are usually every time I varied from my application process, I end up firing them or we end up parting ways in some way because there is a breakdown in communication and it does not work. And to me, it's not worth it. So I, I may get significantly less inquiries than maybe, you know, somebody else down the street, but I know when I get my client on the phone, it's not an if they're booking with me, it's how quickly are they booking. I don't have to go back and forth and worry about trying to follow up with them. It is just a, if I connect with them on the phone, they will become my client. But my process leading up to that is so strict and regimented because I don't want everybody in my chair. And I don't, I don't want to go back and forth and waste time over waiting for somebody to respond to an email or waiting. I don't follow up with people if, if they ghost me, like that's just not my MO at all. Um, but I work with my ideal client and I think that's a huge, huge part of that for me. Yeah, I would, I would have to agree with like, not really like getting off the path with your like system or the application that you've put in place. And I know a lot of people have applications now. I definitely think that is such like an amazing tool that we have a stylist. And I, (laughs) I think the application for some people, it's like, they're going through the motions thinking like, okay, this is what I should do. But then they still, like you were saying, that you don't do. I think a lot of people still do like answer DMs or mm-hmm. a um, percent. Yeah. And that just gets dangerous. I don't do that either just because like, it's so clear as soon as you get on my page, it's, it's like new clients click here. You know what I mean? It's not, mm-hmm. it's not hard and it's not like, um, there's nothing you could miss there. Now, every once in a while, somebody like today, I just messaged a girl back this is an example of someone I will message, but then immediately redirect to my application link. And if she doesn't, I don't care what she does or doesn't do with my application link, but I won't interact with her anymore unless it's like from that, that submission of the link. But like she reached out and this is what made me think of this whole topic. And she was, didn't love the person that she initially got her extensions done with. And I don't know what the story is behind that, obviously. Um, and so I think people like that are confused sometimes because they think like, okay, well, I, you know, I got this done a month ago or whatever, and do I have to start all over with you or whatever? And that's, you have to just know exactly what you are okay with and not okay with. And then never, ever, ever break those rules because I find like you were saying, Haley, I find that times where I have broken my own rules, that's when it just it starts to really break down with that client not being one of the clients that I would like want to keep forever. Yeah. And that's like only our fault, you know, this girl. So for instance, this girl is looking to be my new client and obviously already has hair. I don't take on new clients with other people's hair unless I, personally know and like have a relationship with that client or with that stylist sorry like I've taken on stylist or clients before I'm the same way Han yeah and if I know if it's like like I could text them yeah if it's like Shannon (laughs) Tyler from stem salon who I exactly who I have her her phone number in my phone like I would take if somebody moved from Arizona to Ohio yeah you know they were coming from her I'd be like yeah you're you don't have to get new hair i know that she has good hair right but if it's you know a random stylist that maybe I follow on Instagram but I don't like know personally like I still I'm gonna make that client get all new hair because I just don't I don't know what's going on with the hair and I don't I can't guarantee my services with someone else's like hair it's just really 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 hard and financially you know it's like that's kind of a silly move unless you can absolutely guarantee that someone's coming to you with like wonderful top of the line here. Absolutely. And I think when it's every time I've promised a client, Oh, I can, I can totally use your hair. And this was, you know, in the beginning of my career, I remember I 
had one girl come in and when I cut her row apart, she had about 22 inch wefts making. Oh my gosh. I remember this full row. And I was like, I, I can't put this back in your hair. And she was sobbing, like bawling her eyes out in my chair. And I was like, I'm, I obviously wouldn't have taken it out had I known. And there wasn't really a way to know, but I just, I was like, I am so incredibly sorry. It looked like this girl had just been given the scraps, the extra pieces that somebody had cut off to make their row shorter. You know what I mean? Do you think that's what happened? I don't know. I don't know the style. Were they glued? Um, The ends were glued. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was wild. And she, the client was devastated. I mean, as she should be. So it's like, it was either you can leave without your hair in or you can buy all new hair from me. Um, And, you know, she's like, this isn't your fault. I'm just so upset at my previous experience. And um, so this is kind of one of those, it's a blend, right? Like her thing, she was my ideal client. She did my application. She did my whole thing as I, you know, recommended, but she was switching for a reason and cutting that row apart. You're like, well, this is why, like, this is part of the reason why. So, and she became kind of a ride or die client from there. Yeah. And that's an opportunity. That's a good point. That's an opportunity to create that trust with, you know, if it is a new client coming from another stylist that didn't have a great experience, I mean, you're positioned really well at that point, if they're willing to do their part and, you know, follow your application process and, uh, you know, pick up the phone call for the consultation or, you know, however you do that. Um, when you were talking about actually getting on the, on the call with your clients or with potential clients, that was super interesting to me. And it, it made me kind of reflect on how few, like you were saying, we may not have, like, I may not have as many applications as somebody else either, but exactly like you said, by the time I get on a call with somebody, I can't remember the last time I did a consultation call and didn't book the client. Yeah. Same. So it's like, it just I doesn't. Think, yeah. I think you have to be comfortable enough with being like, maybe I, I'm not going to get a bunch of like frivolous applications But Mm -hmm. when I do get one, that person is so ready to be in my salon that, like, I don't even think twice about it. I'm like, sweet, I have a new client. You know, like, I I really think that by the time I look through an application and look at the pictures and either kind of stalk them on Instagram or, you know, figure out, like, I think that's a smart way to, um, like suss out any red flags too is to when you get somebody's name and application just to kind of like do a reverse search on them yeah I've always I'm always interested when do you have a place on your application that asks them how they um found you yep always okay I'm always interested when people say they found me on Instagram but then I can't when I type in their name on Instagram I like can't find them and I can't find them in my followers, but sometimes I know people have like their, you know, maiden last name is their Instagram or whatever, but I'm always like so interested in that because I don't know, like I'm just a very easy person to search. Yeah. So that's always kind of like, that's like a mini baby. That's not a red flag. That's maybe like a yellow flag. Like if we're thinking about like green, yellow, red, I'm like, I feel a little weird about that, but it's not like a make or break. So I don't ever look my clients up on Instagram. What's the I'm reason never, behind that? I, I, I just feel, don't. I just don't. And I feel like a lot of them are private anyway. Um, and so, yeah, I, I can confidently say, I mean, maybe in, in five or six years or however long I've been doing this, maybe like less than five times. I just, I just don't, I think it's because I'm so confident in my own process and my marketing that I do not feel like I need to do my homework on them. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, you know, there's a right way or wrong way to. No, same. I know a lot of people. And mine's more curiosity. I I think that 
sorry we're sorry no I'm just like word vomiting I think I'm just so excited to be recording a podcast and I'm just <laughs> I think that um that's a good point too you know something I'm working on personally is coming out of a like defensive stance or a like suspicious stance mm. and um I just got a new counselor that I start with next week but the reason I kind of reached out and started with her is because I I've done a lot of work Haley you know this and I think um you know I've talked pretty openly about all of my self-work with people that know me but like kind of the last part of it to me feels like figuring out how to not be defensive or um like self-protective or like judgmental unnecessarily Mm -hmm because I show up like that a lot. And so I think, you know, when you brought that up and you're like, I don't really dive in with my clients. It's so good for me to hear um, like other people's take on things like that, because it's like, it's just, it's good for me to think, okay, why do, you know, why do I look for extra red flags when someone submits an application and everything seems fine And, you know, their hair looks great and it looks like they'll be a good fit. It's like, why am I going and searching for hidden red flags when there aren't any? So that's interesting for me to think about. And I, I think that is everyone, you know, everyone has their business and their business is in part a reflection of them. But then it's like, they are, we're still separate things from our business that bleed into one another, you know? Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's such an interesting point. Cause as you're saying, like, it's good to hear that. I'm like, well, am I doing something wrong? Cause I do know a lot of stylists that creep on their potential clients and I've never really thought much of it, but I'm like, well, should I be checking them out? I don't know. I don't think so. I, it, I mean, what you're doing is obviously working for you and what I'm doing, I mean, it's working for me. I don't have like crazy wild clients. Like I love all my clients, but I think it was, that was kind of like a light that lit up in my head where I was like, why am I being over vigilant when I, there's no red flags in the beginning, Mm -hmm. you know, like why am I searching for, why am I being defensive? Why am I thinking someone's hiding something from me? And that's like a me thing. So I think you know, that's where I'm very, very aware and trying to like really, really, really pull my guards down where they don't need to be up and not be critical of others or self-critical and just kind of be more open and in a neutral space. And that's something I'm working on, but it's like that, you know, that's showing up in my business as me going and looking and wasting time, right? you know, for red flags that aren't there. That's such a that's such a neat point to hear. And it makes me then like wonder, cause I know you have your own process and you stick to it and you know, it works for you, but it does make me wonder then if, if client or if stylists who don't have their process dialed in, like you're aware that, okay, this is like a me thing that I need to look into a little bit deeper, but maybe for other stylists, they are so unsure of their onboarding process. And it's so all over the place that they're like, how else am I going to know if this client is a good fit or isn't if I don't look them up? Do you know what I'm saying? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. I know exactly what you're saying because I was just thinking about how chaotic that is for, you know, I was really putting myself in the shoes of a stylist who maybe just hasn't really been able to, you know, as simple as a form is to create, it's actually kind of confusing at first. Like the first time you really go to create a Wufu or Jot form or any type of um, application form, it can be very intimidating. And I know they make them really, really like simple to fill out. But I think a lot of people don't know like what kinds of questions to even ask. Mm -hmm. Or I think people get nervous about if they ask too many questions, is the client going to get um, like impatient and move on? And I think all of that plays into self-confidence 
and also just like knowing what to look for, knowing what you want. Yeah. You know, knowing what is going to make a good client and what things are going to alert you that this person's not going to be a good client. Yeah. But I, I also think there's plenty of people out there that have really great, you know, you and I have really great, like mine's very simple, my application. And as a stylist, you can always go and just look at someone else's application and say, okay, these are the questions they're asking. This one would be important for me to know this one. Maybe I want to leave out Mm -hmm. um, and make your own application that way. But yeah, how would you even know Haley? Like it would be so, gosh, I can't even, I can't even imagine living in that chaos of not even knowing where to start because extensions are so stressful to begin with from a stylist point of view. I completely agree. And I love that we're talking about this because this actually like, I feel like I'm repeating the coaching call I had this week with one of my girls. And I don't think she would mind me talking about this, but she has an extensive onboarding questionnaire for her, her new guests. And she's a part of another group. And this is, I, I am not shaming. It's just a very difference, a big difference in opinion. Um, they were kind of reviewing her onboarding questionnaire and they were like, it is almost impossible for somebody to get an appointment with you. You need to simplify this questionnaire and she, in her head, she's like, well, it's okay. I'm not getting a ton of leads. So, you know, they might be right. So she does, she makes another one and it's like name, phone number, email address, um, basic, like what service are you looking for type of thing. And she's like, my inquiry shot up like through the roof. I I was starting to get a ton, but she said, I followed up with all of them. No one's gotten back with me. One guy filled it out for his 11 year old daughter. She's like, that's not what I'm looking for. (laughs) So she's like, so it solved quote unquote, solved my lead flow issue. She's like, but none of these people are qualified applicants for me. And so we really talked it out. And I said, this is something that you have to decide if, if all you're trying to do is get butts in your chair, then the simple, what's your name? What's your email? What service are you looking for? That may be the route to go. But if you're at a point in your business where you're super booked, you don't feel like you're making the amount of money that you want to make. And you are realizing that you're not fulfilled by the clients in your chair. It's time to really start looking at who that ideal client is. And you then have to decide if I do not want to be the stylist for everyone. And that's okay if you don't want to be that stylist. I encourage that actually. If that's your goal, you want it to be difficult for you to, for them to sit in your chair. That dad would have never filled out an application that would have taken him 30 minutes to get through for his 11 year old daughter. Then, because it's like, okay, it's exciting when you see those coming in. Oh my gosh, I got a new lead. I got a new lead. I got a new lead. But then it's creating more work for you because you are then emailing everybody. You're going back and forth. They're ghosting you or it's taking them four days to respond. It's this whole thing that you're like, what am I doing? This is now significantly harder. So I really think that's where as the stylist, it's up to you to kind of pause and look at your business and really start figuring out what is my current problem and what am I trying to solve inside of it? Is it that I just need butts in my chair? Cool. Go with that simple onboarding form and that, that simple process. But I don't know. I think if you, if you are trying to create some structure and uh, make some changes, yes, you're going to get fewer leads, but you are going to know that the leads that you do get are so excited to sit in your chair and they're chomping at the bit. And the second you reach out to them, you're going to have a response usually within an hour. And those are the people I want to work with. Yeah. And like you're saying what you've created within that coaching group. And I mean, this is like the number one reason why it's so important to have like a community or network, or at least like one close friend inside of the hair extensions or the hair world 
is because you guys have created like a little audit system for each other where you can go in, you know, in this specific situation to each other's applications and say like, this is way too long, way too confusing, or, you know, this is too short and it's not going to serve you. Mm-hmm. And you need to be able to get that honest feedback or have at least one person, like I said, to, you know, really be honest with you and not feel like they're going to hurt your feelings because clients aren't, you know, potential clients aren't going to tell you, maybe they'll say like your application was too long in your DMS, but that's not helpful because, you know, maybe they're just a jerk. But I think, you know, you're definitely right about if you want it to be harder to be with you, then yeah, maybe a more complicated application um, is a good thing, but it's not even that it's more complicated. You're just being more specific about the questions. Yeah, you're being more thorough. You're, you're pre-screening everybody on a deeper level. So you get, you get the leads that you actually want to field because you maybe. know that person is serious about sitting in your chair. How Anyone do you think- taking the time to fill out a 30 minute form is serious about sitting in your chair? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a long time. How do you feel? We haven't touched on this in a while. And I feel like my, my opinion about things, I'm open to changing my opinion at any time, depending on, you know, things that I've learned or um, changes that I've made in my business, but I still am pretty firm on not having a page by page application system. That's Mm -hmm. just my personal preference because you know, as a mom, I try to imagine myself as a client, as a mom with three kids, you know, a dog, a mortgage, working. The last thing I want to do is waste my time flipping through someone's application to get to the end and find out their pricing isn't what I'm looking for. So I'm still a firm believer in putting your pricing very visibly at the beginning of your application but I know that there's a whole psychology to you know the the marketing funnel of flipping from page to page and kind of seducing someone (laughs) to wanting to be with your client and then telling them how much it's going to be what's your take on that okay so I don't know that my opinion has changed this again, this is like something we've been talking about within coaching. Um, I have some girls who they're like, like, whether it's jot form type form, I don't remember which one, but it is a page by page. So that's the one they've chosen to use. And, um, they're like, I can't make it all lay out any specific way. Um, I, I think that's, I agree with you keeping it all on one page so that they can scroll and see what the questions are like, what it looks like to become your client. It gives them the price estimate because I don't want them to fill it out for them to get to the end to be the same thing. You said, I can't afford it. I'm not wasting my time with that. I don't want to waste their time either. Um, So what we've been doing for the girls who have their price quoting in their flip through apps, um, we've had them move the pricing to pretty much the first or second page before we even collect their name, their information. So it would be like, I'm so excited you're interested in extensions with Hannah. Uh, You are going to be looking at a price range of $2,000 to $5,000, whatever your pricing is. If this is something you are still interested in moving forward with or whatever that verbiage is that you choose, I would love to get some more information so I can narrow down that price quote to you once we jump on the consultation. Then you go into name, email, phone number. um, What is your hair like? What is your experience with extensions? Blah, blah, blah. Sending your photos, sending all of that. And then revisiting, you know, breaking down where the price quote comes from. So for fullness, you're looking at this amount of money. For length and fullness, you're looking at this amount of money. If this sounds good and you understand the price commitment, please hit submit and I will be in touch with you to schedule your phone consultation uh, within whatever, 72 hours. And that has seemed to do well because the, the girls who are going through the application process are now finishing it where they were like, I was having people drop off at the end because 
they were seeing the pricing and it was just more than they could afford. Where when you rip that Band-Aid off right off of the rip, they can see it and it's done. But I am still a big, I still very much believe in having it all laid out. Um, But for those that have switched, it seems to be working well and the feedback has been really good on it so far. That's a great solution that I didn't even think of as like kind of almost creating like that, that cover page or like highlight page at the beginning of your application that has your pricing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because I think a lot of stylists would be very, very surprised to know that I've had so many clients over the years tell me that they, they booked with me and like trusted me more because my pricing was higher than other people they looked at. And mm-hmm. that's like my, like my ideal client is, it doesn't matter if they're single or married, um, have kids or not have kids, but are typically a, either a business owner or someone that has a very, very like, like a nurse practitioner or something that someone that has a very flexible job and mm-hmm. kind of like it, you know, runs their own roost and does what they want. So pricing really isn't a big deal to them. It's more about getting like quality, you know, hair, quality service, like the best type of experience. Yep. So they're looking for a higher priced stylist. So if I, you know, I I think we get scared to to talk about pricing or money with clients, but it's like, that that's really just our issue. Number one, because it's like so many people are not scared and not nervous about money. Mm -hmm. And we shouldn't assume that other people are if we are right. You could be losing potential clients by not saying like, this is what I'm worth. I'm so proud to offer these services at maybe a higher price than other people are offering them at, but that's because I'm confident in my work and I love my job, you know? Yeah. Yes. And I, this is so fun to me because this is everything that has been coming up. So I love that you're like, these were in my DMs, but these were also in our coaching conversations. Um, I use the analogy frequently of how many people walk straight past coach and into Louis Vuitton or Chanel because yes, there's a cheaper option, but they're not looking for the cheaper option. They want the higher end, the more luxury service. And we frequently talk about how you are always going to be more expensive than some and cheaper than others. And there are clients right now looking at your website, wondering why is she so cheap? Oh my gosh. It's beautiful, but why is she not charging more for it? Because I want to spend that on my hair. Yeah, no, I did. I did it with, I've done it with, um, massage people. I've done it with, I just, oh my gosh, I just found a new esthetician or like a facial lady who I cannot wait to get in with next week. And I chose her because number one, I have a client who's like 15, 20 years older than me. And she's literally one of the most gorgeous people I've ever met my whole life. Her skin is, I, I, I can't even believe it. So I'm like, I just need your skin person. Like, I don't care where she is. I will literally fly to her. Yeah. But when I went to get in with her, um, I literally didn't even look at the pricing because I'm like, I don't care what it is. Like, I know I want to be with this, with this esthetician, but, and she had like very, um, like middle to high pricing, which is, was like exactly what I was looking for. But, you know, if I would have found this esthetician, not knowing that, I mean, she does amazing services, but if I would have found her and her pricing would have been like low, like that would have not, that would have maybe not book with her. Uh, I love like that. This, this esthetician, like I know firsthand that she does wonderful work and uses amazing um, products and really takes the time to like work on people's skin because I have a client that's telling me about this esthetician but it's like if I would have just randomly found her yeah I would have never ever like gotten the benefit of her amazing work and services because I would have 
if her pricing was too low, I would have been like put off by that and been like, well, she must not be that good, you know? I completely, completely agree with you. And I've done the same with coaching programs and education. And I actually just hired a fitness coach. And it was the same thing with her when I found out how much she charged. I was like, fuck, I need that high ticket to be bought in. I need I otherwise I'm not going to show up. I've spent, you know, I was pitched, um, I don't know, this was a couple years ago for continuing education inside of an extension company and what they were charging per month for this education. I was like, why is it so cheap? Like, I'm not going to do any of that work because it's not a high enough price tag for me to even be invested or feel like I want to give it my time and energy. Like I need it to sting. And a lot of the best investments I've made in myself, whether it's fitness coaching, a facial, an esthetician for, for you, Han, like a lot of the best investments that I've made into myself have made me want to throw up when I make them. But there's also a different level of commitment that comes from spending that kind of money. Yeah, it's ballsy. It's ballsy on both ends. That's the uh-huh. thing. It's like, it's, it's, it's like a bold move. And so it's when you make a move that big, even in your day-to-day life, when it's pricing with clients or, you know, booking a facial or booking a, or hiring a fitness coach, coach, it's like, there's so much on the line for both ends. Uh-huh. Because if, if a fitness coach is making that much money, or if my esthetician is charging you know, so much per hour, that's almost like a guarantee that she's not like, you can't, I mean, you can, but like most people are not just going to completely do a wacky, terrible service or not follow through, you know, with your fitness goals. If, Uh if they're being paid a certain amount of money, it's like, yeah, that's a lot of money. I'm going to do a good job. But if it's, if it's just like, you know, if it feels like you're just tipping someone or it's just like a coach handbag, like you said, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's like the guarantee doesn't feel like it's there. Uh, 1000%. I, it, it doesn't, it, it forces everybody to level up and, <laughs> and this fitness program, I'm not even, I'm in my prep week right now. The amount of support and, education that I've gotten in the eight days that I've been involved it's I'm blown away by my experience so far and I can't wait to talk about it and to share about it because I'm already committed in a different way to my health goals than I have been in the last probably four years and I'm really excited about it Um, and the same thing applies to our clients do you think somebody that spends double whatever you're charging right now on their extensions is going to come in with a mat in their row or they're going to come in like after vacation with their hair in knots because they didn't brush it the whole time absolutely not absolutely not these clients take it so serious and they approach it so differently than your clients that are paying a lower price point yeah and they get i mean like you were saying with your fitness coach, they get better results. I cannot stop laughing, Haley, because this is stick with me on this. Okay. Yeah. So I need a new shampoo bowl. My back, the way that my shampoo bowl is positioned is just, it's like wrecked my back. <laughs> and also I've had three C-sections. So I'm really working on getting my core back up, you know, stronger because my core is just, um, you know, it just needs more work. Yeah. So as as I've been like just dealing with my back in the shampoo bowl, (laughs) my husband has, he's like set up our whole garage as like a full blown gym. Like, I don't even know what happened in there. And Derek's just been like working out and he's just beast mode Derek. So (laughs) my back's been, my back's been hurting from the shampoo bowl that I'm dealing with at the moment. And the other day I was like, will you, like be my fitness trainer. Like I need help. And he just like, I was expecting him to be so excited. Cause anytime I like talk about working out or getting 
in the garage to like work out. He's always like so supportive. And he's like, yes, babe, that's going to like fix your problem, whatever. And he just looked at me. I was so expecting him to be so pumped about it. And he was just like, my workout time is like my alone time. So like a pass basically. And I was like, (laughs) I was like, that hurt in such a surprising way. Because he was just basically like, I get away from you when I work out. So I don't really feel like I'm going to be your trainer. He's like, you can just get bent on that. No, it was like, you can look you. up. Yes, you can look up some YouTube videos, bitch, because I go in the garage for two hours to drown my sorrows. And you are not. Release. Yes. But it, I love that point, Han, but it's also, I think the same thing goes for exchanges, right? Like, as we exchange with other stylists, or a lot of times we you know, are exchanging with other service professionals and how often do you feel like you're getting what you should be getting from that exchange? Most of the time you don't. Yeah, that's true. You know, so again, I think it's, there's, there's something to be said about investing and there's something to be said about when it hurts and it makes you want to throw up. And I think you can find a way to apply that almost in every area of your life. Yes, that's so true because Sammy, your assistant, like the the angel of hair extensions. She, Absolutely. She is such a blessing for me because I mean, not only do I get to spend time with Sammy and I love her, but I get to have my own actual like experience as a client. And not so much like judge, like Sammy does everything like literally to a T. So there's really nothing to critique, but I get to remember like how it feels to be at the shampoo bowl uh, and, you know, be treated like a client, Um, how it feels to, um, you know, have some nice, like quiet time and be able to like work on my phone or my laptop how it feels to hear conversations that others are having in the salon, like whether I like that or not, or uh, pay attention to like, is the music too loud or is it too quiet or, you know, just simple things like that. It's like so, so valuable to be able to be like a paying client yourself uh-huh. because you realize, you know, what a true investment it is. And you get to actually put yourself in your client's shoes. Like I'm not trading with Sammy. I pay full prices. So like when, when I go to my hair appointments, it is such a good thing for me inside my business. Uh-huh. I love that. I yeah. love that example. Yeah. But I'm still mad. Derek won't help me with my back. <laughs> Call Trevor. <laughs> I know. I need I need something. Honestly, um, actually, Annie at your salon is the one who told me about this. And I was like, I feel like more stylists should know about this. But um, I'm getting I'm so I'm getting a new a complete new shampoo uh, setup and a new salon chair. I'm just redoing everything. And um, by right, who is like a big it's kind of like Minerva or it's a big um equipment salon equipment retailer supplier they have a couple warehouses and if you fly to them and buy I think it's like two or three thousand dollars worth of equipment which like that's a shampoo bowl you know mm-hmm. that up that's like usually at least 1500 bucks um if you buy a couple thousand dollars worth of stuff for them they do like a fly and buy program so they will reimburse you for I think it's up to five hundred dollars of travel so like you're flight and so mine's like my entire flight and a part of my hotel which is amazing Uh, are you going to the one in Atlanta yeah yeah Yeah. the quick fun trip oh I'm so excited for you yeah yeah so um and I turned that into like Derek and I are going for it's like three days but really just two and a half so yeah I'm excited to do that but like that is you know that's something too when you think about pricing I think a lot of times stylists have a hard time like connecting the dots with pricing and thinking about like, okay, well, anybody can be good at extensions or anybody can be really, really 
experienced or like detailed and coloring wefts or making things blend, but it's like, it is literally every detail and every sense that a person has, like they are using when they're having an experience with you. So like when they walk into your space, does it look cluttered? Does, do you have like, oh, this makes me want to throw up. I'm so sorry for anyone who has this, but please fix it. If you have like pictures of your kids or like pictures at your station, like guys, it is not 1998. Like we have got to take that kind of stuff down. It is so unprofessional and it is so like, it just lowers your value somehow because it just doesn't look like clean and professional you know what I mean yeah so I think uh, like tell your clients you love your kids and then you can like look at the picture on the background of your phone like we all love our kids take the pictures down at the salon (laughs) (laughs) you know it's just like I don't get it because it's almost like it's like if you went into any other professional setting that clients share with the actual professional, you're not going to see like maybe like a car dealership, but like not a high end one, but it's like, you're not going to see pictures of people's families. If they're in a, like a back of the house, if they work in a cubicle for Tesla. Okay. Yeah. But you're not like meeting with clients. It's, It's like any place that you're welcoming a client into for an experience, like make it about them, not about you. It gives the wrong message. If you are like, this is about me. Here's my kids. You know what I mean? I uh, I don't have pictures up, but I've never thought about this. But you, I, I feel now just as strongly as you do about this, and I could not agree more. It's so wild to me that like – and these are the – I think I was talking to our friend Angie Mamone about this. She's helping me with a project. And I think I've become so obsessed with looking into these little details or the obvious things that – as as stylists we miss because we're digging so deep for the big answer the big aha you know this really complicated um, (laughs) answer to to all of our questions instead of being like maybe it's a hundred tiny things that you know that all need kind of not even like overhauled but just like tweaked and I I think people miss that so much because they want just one big fix. And that's where, you know, that's where a program like you just invested in like a, you know, a high end workout program. That's where people can sometimes miss the mark is sometimes people are willing to invest, but they're not willing to do the work. Mm -hmm. So it's like not only knowing what, what you need, it's like knowing what, question you're trying to get answered but I sorry I just find that um I'm trying to stay on track here I just find that a lot of times stylists get so lost trying to find this deep meaningful answer instead of being like is when I walk into my salon is it cluttered is there a bunch of crap everywhere Um, when's the last time I mopped the floors? When's the last time I dusted the, (laughs) the air vents, you know, silly things that clients are going to absolutely notice, Yeah. but that, that might just, you know, we might just be blind to. Yeah. Well, and I know we've talked about this on here before it, there's also that question of who do you have to be? as the stylist, right? Who do you need to become to attract a different clientele? And I think it does start with what, what does your space look like? How are you showing up? And I know there's this big debate amongst stylists of if you should put yourself together and, and look the part, or if your client should just, but I think you will notice a difference when you start showing up differently. I think it's, that's for any area of life if you look like you just rolled out of bed guess what your clients are gonna look like and what they're going to embody right like if you're showing up to work hungover and reeking of booze I would guess your clientele is also going to be a reflection of that but if you take the time to get up 
get your life together. You put your, you get your hair done. You put yourself together, whether that's, if you're like, I don't wear makeup. Okay, cool. You don't have to wear makeup, but if you look professional, if you look great, what, what you put out, you are going to get back. That goes with how you present yourself in person. It goes with how you present yourself on social media. It goes with really every aspect of your life. And I agree, Han, I think they are, they're looking for this like golden ticket of this, it will be the one thing that drastically changes my business, but it's the million tiny things inside of the business that you have to start taking a look at and you have to start slowly chipping away at them. It's, it's part of the reason that inside of our coaching program, it's, it's six months long because it's like, we have a lot of little things we have to chip away at before we really start seeing a difference. And those little things, the little wins, they slowly, slowly start adding up to the big ones. Yeah. And it does, you're right. It does take time. It takes, because it's like, you can't move on to certain things until you've really settled other things. And I think the salon and the way we dress, those are all reflections of our standards. And if you, if you show up looking nice and you have, you know, regardless of what the decoration or what your kind of like design or taste is, if you have a clean salon that is functional and, you know, is clearly loved and taken care of, that's presenting a standard that you're you're showing to the world, like, this is where I am. And then people, you know, most people aren't going to expect to disrespect you or to like, have you move your standards down. So that's just, that's just a good way of showing kind of your own value. And by saying like, this is a part of the quality that you're receiving, you know, service wise from me Mm by, by me, respecting myself and you enough to, yeah, put myself together, wear a cute outfit, look like I know what I'm doing and have a nice space for you to spend time in. And I mean, that's, that's a part of pricing for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And that helps like if you, (laughs) that helps beat off if we circle back around to like red flags or kind of, um, Yes. Getting people in that you want to be there. Your ideal client should take note of, you know, oh my gosh, I I love like the new mirror you put up in your salon or whatever. They're going to notice those little things or they're going to be the client that's always like, oh my gosh, your outfits are so cute. Where did you get those shoes from or whatever? And then I've found in the past that my red flag clients are clients that I probably shouldn't have taken on are the people who like don't care or mm-hmm. who, you know, if, if I had like a big stain on the wall or something, they'd be like, Oh yeah, I have, you know, like my house is a wreck too, or whatever. It's like, Ooh, that's not a good thing. You know, like you don't want to bond on like messiness or, you know, not being put together or whatever. I agree, Han. I think this was, such a great conversation. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed this. Like actually more than I feel like I learned a lot. (laughs) Me too. Like I was like, yeah. And sometimes it's just good to get your head in the space where you are like kind of brainstorming, you know, through certain ideas. Like, I think that's why I love podcasts so much because sometimes I like know where I like I'm like okay I need to work on my salon space but it's like where do I even start with that and then when I hear other people talking about certain things I'm like ooh, okay now I know where to start yeah I love that well I mean let's just let's just wrap it up while it's perfection I yeah I, I think we don't need to go any further Awesome. If you, if you guys have questions or if you have like feedback or anything, um, DM me at Hannah, the Burnett on Instagram and Haley, how do you prefer to be? Do you want people? Yeah, you can DM DM. and then we always want to 
bring up your topics on the pod. It makes for great conversation. Yeah. If you guys have things like literally do not be shy because it most likely we've had the same thought before and um, yeah, it gives us good feedback about what you guys are interested in. Also, I just want to share this because this is super, super freaking exciting. And I, my mind was blown. We have had over 50,000 downloads of this podcast. That's a lot. Holy shit. That's a lot. I asked my oldest daughter the other day, I was like, how many think, how many downloads, like how many plays do you think we've had on this? And I was like, it's in the thousands. And she was like 12,000. And I was like 50. And she was like, what? Oh my gosh. Wait, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's really cool. I had no, I, I knew you could like track podcast analytics, but that's obviously like what you see on your end. So, okay. I love knowing that. Yeah. So thank you guys so much. Like I, that just made me pumped to podcast and I'm, I'm just like so grateful and happy that, um, yeah, that we're doing this and we're just happy to be here. Yeah. So happy to be here. So Han, I love you. This was so good. I love you too. And I will talk to you next time. Yeah. And we love you guys too. We'll see you. you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.